I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 314 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an awesome guest joining me here today. Ross Patterson is a highly successful writer, actor, comedian, and podcaster. He is the co-host of the Drinking Bros podcast, as well as the Ross Patterson Revolution, a podcast that he does with his wife. He has been in the podcasting scene for a very long time now and is just absolutely crushing it. I truly admire his hustle, and I'm grateful to have a few minutes with him on the show today. Ross is also a New York Times bestselling author who has appeared in over 20 films. He has produced at least six movies. You may be already following him on Instagram, where his handle is at St. James St. James. Ross Patterson will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. All right, and next week I'll be hitting you guys with three episodes. And as you know, I have been humbled to win the 2020 Family Is People's Choice Award for Best Family-Centered Podcast. Those awards were named in honor of Linda and Richard Iyer, who have been considered experts in the parenting field. They've raised nine children and written a bunch of best-selling parenting books. They've been featured on many talk shows, including Oprah Winfrey's. Next week, Richard Iyer will be joining me here on the podcast, and I am so excited for that. Also, a fellow New Jersey dad will be joining me here next week. He is known as the Dancing Dad, Kenny Clutch Thomas, who went viral on the internet as the Dancing Dad when his son was victorious with his fight against cancer. Kenny is an inspiring human being, so please don't miss out on that one. And be sure you're following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here. If you have a chance, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube and drop me a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you may be enjoying First Class Fatherhood. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and going to be right back with St. James, St. James, Ross Patterson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Ross Patterson. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. How you doing, man? All right, let's start right here. Uh, how many kids do you have and how old are they? I, I have two children currently. Um, I'm, there's probably another seven to nine that are out there that I don't know about, like uh, Future or, um, you know, Cromartie. But uh, two that I know for sure that are mine with my wife currently. One is uh, five, the other one is one. Okay, very cool. Uh, did you guys do any kind of like gender reveal deal to find out what you have, or did you wait to the end for the surprise? 
No, man. I was one of those dads who was, like, hell-bent on knowing what the gender was, like, as soon as possible. Like, day three, I wanted to know. Basically, as soon as she pissed on that stick, I was like, I've got to know what this is. And um, I went to every single doctor's appointment, everything, until, you know, and I, I basically forced the lady into telling me, like, hey, that looks like a penis. Will you just say that it's a boy so I can move on with my life? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's funny. With our first one, it was back in, uh, my oldest is 13, so back in, like, 2005, 2006, my wife would be on the Internet. She came up with all these crazy things to do early on, like stick a piece of cheese on her head. If the, if the sides turn white, it's a girl, and pee in Drano, if it changes color. Like, she had all these different things they had online, and then finally we were able to find out what it was there. What do you have? I have three boys, and then we got the girl on the fourth try. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five by now, but we got her, and she runs the show over here now. Really? So, so your wife was just like, "Hey, man, I want a girl at no matter what cost," and you were down with that? I, I was right there with her. I definitely wanted to have the other side of the coin and get the experience, uh, the other part of the party here. So, uh, I was definitely down with that. You know what's funny is, is me and my wife weren't, um, which is probably why we get along so well. She was like, "Look, I only want boys. Girls are nightmares." And kind of like you said, running the show already. Like all, our friends who had had girls were like, "Hey, man." They're awesome, and they'll be the love of your life. And the, you know, the hashtag daddy girl thing is is you know, or girl dad uh, is real, and um, and it's 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 a beautiful thing or whatever. And then when they hit teenagers, it'll be the worst experience of your entire life, and you want to kill yourself every day. And um, so my wife was just like, man, I've heard too many stories. I just want boys. Uh, she's kind of a tomboy, so we had two boys, and that was it. We walked away. I'm, we're not having it anymore. All right. And listen, Ross, if you could, man, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, you know, I got my start um, doing, like, stand-up when I was uh, 16 years old out of Atlanta. I always knew I wanted to be an actor and, um, you know, a comedian and stuff like that. And I went to school for it, um, studied journalism and, uh, at Ohio State, and then went to NYU after that and, and did uh, acting. Um, and then I jumped right in it. I knew I... I I wanted to write, and I knew I wanted to star and stuff. Um, directing and producing came a little later on in life, but uh, uh, I initially got started off doing like a like a series of like teen movies. So I started in The New Guy, Accepted, uh, like House of the Dead, things like that, for like my first 10 movies. And then after that, I, I kind of reached a crossroads where I think it was like 30, and I got um, <clears throat> an offer to be on this, uh, ABC Family series, and it was to play a college kid. So I always looked younger than I was when I was doing these movies. Um, and, like, you know, you get to a certain age, you start to feel bad about it. Like, when I was an accepted, I think I was, like, 27 or 28. And, you know, I, I was with, like, Blake Lively, who was, like, 18 years old, and Jonah Hill, who was, like, 20, and things like that. And I was like, eh, I'm a little older than these people. Like, it's, it was starting to feel weird at that point. And I got offered this college show for ABC Family when I was, like, 30 years old, and it was a six-year contract. And technically, that wouldn't have put me out of college, so to speak, until I was, like, 37 years old. And I didn't want to be one of those people who just took the money and then tried to get fired off the show. I, I saw it happen to Katherine Heigl on um, uh, Grey's Anatomy, and it was just like – because all, all these TV contracts are six years – so I, I said no, and I passed on it, and 
um, since basically all, all I was getting was like teen movie auditions and things like that, um, I decided to fire my agent, my manager, open up my own production company, and then write and star and direct in the movies that I wanted to do comedically. Um, so that's what I did. And then I, along the way, ended up selling like, I want to say like 19 screenplays. And then I've rewritten a bunch like big budget movies, um, you know, more or less like ghostwriting credits and things like that. And then I started writing books. Um, my wife got pregnant and uh, I ended up writing um, the first ever romance novel for dudes. I was doing a press tour for, um, for a movie and I do a bunch of impressions um, and so, like, a couple radio interviews in a row, they were, they were like, hey, man, can you read me excerpts of Fifty Shades of Grey as Morgan Freeman, um, which I, w- I, I was doing. So I was like, there she was, lying on the bed, and he whipped her, you know, things like that. And I was like, <laughs> finally, like, after the second and third one, I was like, man, um, I'll just read this book. So I ended up reading the Fifty Shades of Grey book, and I called my agent. He had asked me to write, you know, a bunch of agents along the way had asked me to write books forever. But it was too time-consuming, and it seems like, since I was doing so many, so many movies, I was like, man, I don't know if I have time for this, and um, it's a lot more difficult than writing a screenplay. Like, one book is the equivalent of writing, like, five movies, to be honest with you. And um, my wife got pregnant um, with our first son, and she had asked, she was like, hey, would you mind taking some time off to spend with me? So that way, you know, you're not off shooting a movie while I'm going through whatever I'm going through. Because she didn't know. You know, it was, our, it was our first child, and she didn't know what she was going to be experiencing. So I was like, yeah, in the meantime, I'm going to write this book. So it was called A Night's Cries While He Rides in Speed. It was the first ever romance novel for dudes. Um, and Simon and Schuster ended up buying it, and it ended up blowing up. Um, I wrote the sequel to that, and then I wrote uh, one of my co-hosts on Drinking Bros podcast, uh, Matt Best. I ended up writing his with him, his biography with him. And that ended up being number one in the world and on the New York Times bestsellers for like nine consecutive weeks. Um, in the midst of that, during the, the writing of that first book, um, I had noticed the media format changing in Hollywood, and uh, podcasts were kind of starting to become a thing. And so I started a podcast called Drinking Bros Podcast with my best friend, um, all my, like, four of my best friends. Um, that just crossed 8 million listeners this month. Um, and then uh, I do a spinoff show called Ross Patterson Revolution um, with my wife. That's got 1.8 million listeners. And then um, we opened up a media company, so now we own five shows, uh, five different podcasts underneath that media company. So that's been pretty time-consuming. And right now, we're putting out around 42 episodes a month, podcast-wise. Yeah, wow, that's incredible, Ross, and what an awesome career that you've had. And uh, it's great to see all the success you've had here. And now, with all these experiences, I I can only imagine a a lot of the um, on the way up through all of this a lot of it is self-motivated. You're, you're into yourself, and then all of a sudden now you become a father. How did the experience of becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, it's funny, man, because, you know, the self-motivation thing is extremely true in the entertainment industry because th- there is no one that's going to help you, and nobody's, nobody's <laughs> really willing either, where it's like, hey, man, are you an actor? Great, I'll put you in something. That's not how it works, like, um, you know, even though it, the profession itself is, you know, kind of vain and weird, um, I will say this, man, if you're able to make it, you're cutting through millions of other people out there that are. And same with writing. Like, no one can push you to write a book or a screenplay or whatever. That is all you, all by yourself most of the times. Um, some people have writing partners and things like that. And um, 
and it's tough. Um, now, when I had kids, um, it was sort of the same way where it was like, if you were ever down in your motivation or self-belief in something, taking care of a child and putting food on the table and, you know, uh, a roof over their head, nothing will make you work harder than that than having children because once children come into the picture, it's something that, you know, they're, you love more than anything else in this world and you will go to the ends of the world to protect them and help them and do anything you can for them. Therefore, I mean, it even increases your work ethic further. So I feel like I'm working harder with children than, you know, I almost was without, which is almost seems impossible, but, but it's true. Um, you know, for this, like, uh, the new book that I owe, it, it is, is due in the fall. The last one just came out. Um, it just got off the New York Times bestseller list in November, and I already owe another one in August, and it's like I'm writing that at night, doing podcasts in the day, and then, um, you know, spending time with them as soon as I come home from work. So uh, that is always in the back of your mind when you have children of, hey, man, I've, I've got to keep my foot on the gas because I want them to have the best life possible or a life that you didn't have necessarily. Yeah, very well said. And, and Ross, what you said there earlier about, uh, you know, the trajectory of Hollywood changing, it's awesome now that the opportunity is there for everybody to kind of speak their own mind and have the ability to put out their own podcast, their own, uh, you know, version of how they see things unedited in a sense. Where, a lot of people ask me this, and I'm not really sure how to answer it. I'm curious to see how you would answer it. Where do you see, I know podcasts, I kind of got into this just as they were starting to really uh, become so popular. Where do you see the podcast industry going five, ten years down the line? Where is this all heading? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can tell you because I've, I've taken these meetings um, for a while, and we've had massive offers, right, like seven-figure offers of buyouts. Um, and that, that's what's happening right now currently in the podcasting landscape. So you take a company like Spotify. This year alone, they're spending $500 million acquiring podcasts. Um, they're going to people like Amy Schumer and saying, hey, here's a million dollars create a podcast that is exclusive to us. Um, Kevin Hart, they just signed a deal with The Ringer. They just signed a deal with, um, and then in particular, media companies. So, you know, like uh, Barstool Sports. Uh, Barstool just sold 33% of, or 36% of their company for $150 million. That means their current valuation is $450 million for their company. Wow. And, you know, before that, the churning group had already put in $17 million and owned about 51% of it. And, you know, within three years, they were able to triple that investment um, without doing anything, really. Um, because there is no comedies being made in Hollywood anymore, you know, with the Me Too movement and the fucking cancel culture and all that stuff that's going on, um, podcast is the only unedited, unfiltered way to get comedy or share opinions or find, um, I should say, find shared opinions that are on the same level as you are. Um, my humor is extremely crass and dark and over the top and... I love that. Um, I cannot get that through movies anymore. I, I can't even finance these movies anymore um, that I used to make. And it is for the reason of, you know, the reasons of what I just said. However, podcasts are free, man. You can say whatever you want. And if you're, you're going to make them financially viable, um, there is sponsors out there that are willing to do that. Um, you know, all of our sponsors, the, the one rule is, hey, man, I read it however I want to. And you can't stop me from what I'm going to say because I know that's what the listeners want. Right. If I give a straight read, it's it's not going to be the same, you know, read or the same type of tone as the rest of my show. So listeners will be pissed off about it. Um, and the sponsors have come around to that. Uh, and you know, eventually, I here, here's where I see it going way into the future. Is um, you know, 
Spotify is trying to become the Netflix of audio. They've already stated that in like numerous meetings I've had over there. Um, they don't even want music anymore um, because they don't want the royalties for for all of these songs and, and all that shit. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. So what I think is going to be happening is I think personal companies um, are going to be buying out individual podcasts and giving them equity inside the companies. I know Onnit did it with Joe Rogan, and I think that is going to be the new future. And some of the sponsors that we're dealing with now are bigger where they don't want a promo code for anything. It's just like, hey, man, here's a product. Um, just, just have it on your show because it's cool to be on your show, and we'll pay you X amount of dollars to do that. But I, I would say way in the future, individual companies will start buying out shows um, in the next five to ten years, it's going to be all Spotify and iTunes buying out shows. And Luminary, Luminary is offering a million dollars per show as well. Um, but they're on a paid, behind the you know a paywall platform, where you know Luminary you have to subscribe to like a Netflix where it's like eleven ninety nine a month. We we're not going to do something like that because it's you know that's going to turn off half of our listeners and we don't want to charge them for it. We we make enough mo- money off of sponsors that it's not necessary. Now, if somebody like a, a Spotify came and backed up the truck and said, hey, man, here's, I don't know, let, let's just take uh, that, that murder show. I think they got $4 million a year. We would definitely do that because Spotify is still free, and so is iTunes. So um, I, I don't hold a loyalty to iTunes or, or anywhere else. As long as the listeners can get it for free and somebody's willing to pay for it, we're down with that. Um, and that is currently happening, and we've, we've had a bunch of offers on the table for that. Um, but in the future, I think it is going to be companies that are just straight up buying out people. We had, we were approached by one already that was a company that I'd never even heard of. And they were like, look, we want you to sell like outdoor stuff and, and jackets and, you know, hunting equipment and all that stuff. And you're only going to read for like the seven or eight companies that we own. And it's like, oh man, well, that's different. I've never heard of something like that. That I think is going to be the future, um, depending upon what you do. You know, for yours, being like fathers and stuff like that, like it would make sense for like a baby Bjorn to, to buy out all the children's podcasts, you know, or fathers or mothers or stuff, stuff like that, or honest, you know, uh, Jessica Alba's company. Like it would make sense to own it and then constantly be promoting their products on it. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool, Ross. And that's encouraging too for the future. And it opens up the door for so many people to get involved in it. And I know one of the big things too that's on the rise, Gary V is always talking about it, is TikTok, very popular mm-hmm. with the kids. Have you got it? Have you gotten your kids into the act at all here with the TikTok? You got them set up with a channel already? All right, dads. If you're a coffee lover like me, then I have got an exciting offer for you. Fruit of the Bean Coffee is giving First Class Fatherhood listeners 25% off their first order at fruitofthebean.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD and save 25% off fresh coffee that isn't roasted until you place your order. How's that for fresh? Plus, Fruit of the Bean is giving back by helping orphans and fighting human trafficking. Fruit of the Bean is partnered with Project Rescue and the Christian Alliance for Orphans. So let's go, dads. Visit fruitofthebean.com or tap the link in the show notes and use the promo code FATHERHOOD to get 25% off your first order. Once you place your order, that's when your coffee will be roasted, and a portion of the money you spend will go directly to helping orphans and fight human trafficking. www.fruitofthebean.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. And I know one of the big things, too, that's on the rise, Gary Vee is always talking about it, is TikTok, very popular mm-hmm. with the kids. Have you, got it, have you gotten your kids into the act at all here with the TikTok? You got them set up with a channel already? I have. I have. And it's funny you ask that because, you know, everybody in the entertainment industry, like, 
we get asked that all the time, like, were your kids going to do it? I, I don't want my kids to do it per se, um, simply because of what their parents do, because my wife's an actress as well. Um, I, if they want to do it, by all means, but I'm not going to push them into it. Um, whereas, you know, I think my kid is funny and interesting or whatever. I don't know what the, the outside world will think. I also don't know what the feedback is going to be. Because let's face it, social media and the comments you get are brutal. And I, I'm hoping, hoping, um, with a with a, a, a hard air quote around the word hoping, that my kids aren't interested in it. Uh, because I've seen, like, kids in the neighborhood where, like, TikTok has destroyed their life. And in, like, a weird way, you know? Kids will get on there and say, like, mean shit about other kids, and you're like, oh, God, dude. Um, and then I've also seen the other side of, like, TikTok where it's like, Man, like Will, I, Will Smith now has a TikTok and Kevin Hart and those guys, and it's like, to me, they're too old to be on that platform. It should be just for kids. Because when it's not for kids, it's not going to be cool anymore. And it's like, it. I, I think it'll be a flash in the pan TikTok. I think. Um, I don't see how it's really that much different from Instagram Stories. And once older celebrities start getting into it and start ruining it, once Gwyneth Paltrow gets into it, it's over for TikTok. Yeah, and it's funny that you say, like, just because I never had any social media accounts at all until I started this podcast up almost two years ago now. And, and Twitter especially, I couldn't believe, like, I, I would just get hammered on there depending on what guests I brought on. And I don't even, I don't even talk politics, but if I have somebody that's, that's on the show, uh, that's a, like, I had Eric Trump on the show recently, and it's like, I got destroyed on there. We don't even talk one ounce about politics on the show, but it's like, I, I couldn't believe the comments that I got from all that stuff. Yeah, man, and it's, you know, Twitter is hell on earth, essentially. Like, it's, you don't know what's real, what's not, what's for politics, what's not. Like, you take your Eric Trump interview, um, you know, a lot of those are just bots or, or paid people to come on and argue um, with you about politics because it'll, you know, be some way tied to or connected to or hashtag to uh, some other agenda they're pushing. And it's like, man, I don't even know who's real and who's not real on Twitter. And it's a place to go and rage and vent yeah. and hate the world. And it's like... You know, again, I don't want my, uh, hopefully my kids exposed to it until they're they're older, but, you know, I'm also not going to prevent them from that. Um, yeah. So, but, I, yeah, it's, it's one of the, social media is a necessary evil for having podcasts or books or things like that. And, look, man, I, I would say that's one of my biggest regrets is I was late to the social media game. Um, when I was coming up, starring in all these movies, they were like, look, do not, do not put any, of, you know, your personal life on social media whatsoever. You want to remain a mystery. That way people can believe you in all these roles you're doing and things like that. And then one night, like, you know, I get a phone call from, like, a panicked publicist in, like, 2013 that was like, put everything out there. Everybody needs to know everything. And and I was late. And, um, you know, I have other friends who have made millions off of YouTube and everything else uh, simply because they were the first ones to do it and, and get into the platform ahead of everyone. I feel like I kind of did the same thing in podcasts where, you know, we started five years ago and there wasn't that much competition. I mean, for a while, we were number three in the world in comedy behind Rogan. Wow. So, yeah, but with, you know, with anything, like, dude, as soon as podcasts started getting big, um, you know, now every celebrity and their mother has a podcast. And it's like, they're not even good so much. Like, you know, like Conan O'Brien. I love Conan O'Brien, and I think he's rad. The fact that he's able to come out with a podcast and be knock us off the, you know, the, out of the top ten overnight sucks. Like, dude, you're rich enough. You already have a talk show on. Like, now you're going to do a podcast, which is essentially just kind of your show. 
same with like you know the Daily Show, and you know today was with Stephen Colbert's, and it's like those people don't even care about the arts of podcasting or the format of it. It's just a money grab, and they think that they need to get their name out there more because let's face it, man, I have more listeners than Stephen Colbert has viewers on a nightly basis. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. You've built up your audience, too, and you've done a great job doing that as well. Oh, thanks, man. I I appreciate it, but that's also the the reason why people are jumping into it, where we're reaching more people than, you know, every basic cable show on – on television. Every time, every day I go on air, I'm reaching more people than anybody on FX or the ratings on FX or Adult Swim or, you know, any of your favorite shows. And it's, I get why people are hopping into it. It's just like, I wish they cared about it more, you know? Yeah. Let me, hey, Ross, let me rein this back into you as a dad here. I know they're young yet, but what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad here so far? Are you a spanker, a timeout guy? How do you handle discipline? Both. Like, I, I'll spank and timeout. Um, you know, simply because, in my opinion, um, this helicopter parenting or, uh, God, there's another word that's, you know, you'll know it, man. What do you call those parents who are just like, they'll talk to their children in a in a nice way or, you know, they won't disagree with them or they want to hear their thoughts on things. You know, it's five years old and it's just like, dude, we're not doing that, um, you know. If you scream or cry or, or, or throw a tantrum in a restaurant, like, you're getting taken home. If you say the wrong, you know, thing or, or don't do your, your homework like you should, because, like, I don't know about your child, but, like, in kindergarten, my kid's got homework. Like, he's got to read books and stuff. Um, you know, and if he talks back and things like that, like, yeah, you're, you're going into timeout. Um, or if you push your brother down, you know, knock him down the stairs or whatever, like, you're going to get a spanking for that. Some parents aren't cool with that. Like, that's how I – was raised and that's what i believe in so that's what i do but um you know it's a different world as far as parenting goes and i've seen it both ways and uh i haven't seen it in a positive way for just sitting there and letting your children do whatever they want um you know i've seen it in a positive way in the other so that's what me and my wife believe in is that right for everybody not necessarily but that's what we do yeah, and you know what's funny about that, Ross, too, is, I mean, I have four kids, so each one of them requires sometimes a different style of discipline. One kid, I mean, you could smack him all day long, he ain't going to listen. The other guy, you can threaten to smack him, he's going to listen right away. So everyone responds a little differently, but a lot of the successful people that I'll have on the show here, whenever I ask them that, I'll say, is the discipline style different than you grew up with? They'll say, oh, yeah, I grew up getting spanked and getting punished hard, and I don't really do. But it, it made them in some way, you know, they're all very successful, and it didn't ruin their life. And I think we've gotten to the point here where the – the participation trophies and all this stuff has really started to uh, ruin a lot of our society. That combined with the fact that so many kids are growing up without a father in their life, um, I think is definitely uh, causing a lot of trouble in our society. Yeah, I do too, man. So that's why, that's why I don't subscribe to, like, oh, it's a different time than when we grew up. It's not. Family values are still family values. And the way you're raised will, will determine, more than likely, the person you're going to be in life. Um, just because we have, you know, different electronics now ipads and things like that um doesn't doesn't mean you change as people and and uh it doesn't change like a a discipline style within you and i'm yeah i'm raising my kids the same way that i was raised uh i came from a look loving parents i don't have a bad word to say about my childhood but yeah i was spanked man and i was in time out and if i did things wrong like you know same with my kids they're going to they're gonna learn and know about it. I'm not going to treat them any differently just because the rest of society is starting to. Um, and I just hate this soft, 
mentality that is that is kind of out there in the world today where it's just like, man, if you rate them like that, first of all, they're going to run all over you and do whatever they want. Second of all, they're probably be living in your house until they're 33 years old, which is not healthy either. Yeah, I think there's definitely an issue with it, and I, I and hopefully it's stuff like this. Uh, you know, the conversations can start to spread uh, more about the, the the problems that it is causing. I mean, my, my father. I mean, there was a generation gap there. My dad had me when he was 50 years old, so he was born in 1930. So he grew up with a completely, uh, you know, tremendously different uh, discipline style. And then obviously it's a lot different the way I am with my kids. It's not that extreme, but um, I, I think that old school style of parenting. I think a lot of it is necessary, and I think a lot of it would start solving some of the trouble that we see here. And ha- has becoming a dad has that kind of has that changed and, at all your trajectory of the type of content that you're producing? No, and, and for, it's tough. Like before, I got started because I'm my content is extremely aggressive comedically across the board. Movies, books. Um, I mean, to my not this last one, but the book before was banned on Amazon for like three and a half weeks before it got overturned. Uh, just because of how graphic the content was, I always said I did not want a father to to affect what I thought was funny comedically in the world, and I've I've stuck by that. And um, you know, I'm sure there will, there will come a point when my son is 13 years old and catches a movie that I did or listens to a podcast, um, you know, or sees a video on YouTube, and he's like, "Dad, what the hell, man?" And then I'll sit down and explain to him what I do for a living and why, and also what I think is funny. Um, to me personally. And I, I was very adamant about that when I had kids. And I, I talked to my wife about it too. I said, look, I don't want to change what we're doing content-wise just because we have children. I have a lot of friends who have, who have changed that. And I would say their careers suffered for it. Um, because, you know, once you switch audience-wise what you used to do, um, and that's how you developed your fan base, well, chances are that fan base is going to leave. And so I was very adamant about not going soft with my content, uh, even though I had kids. Now, do I let them listen to it or watch it? Absolutely not. Um, when they come of age and they find it on their own, fantastic. But uh, I'm, as a parent, I, I don't let them listen or watch it. Um, uh, but later on in life, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and explain to them why Dad does what he does and why, why I think it's funny. Yeah, very well said. And, 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 Ross, what was the transition like for you going from one child to having two? Boy, it, it was night and day, man. Um, you know, it left less time for me and my wife. Um, and it, it was hard. It was really hard because both, both of our kids, when they were babies, were, you know, and my, look, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old now. Um, they, were, they were difficult children. I don't. They were colicky, so and I don't I don't really know why. There there is no explanation for it, obviously, um, and it clearly didn't affect my oldest one as he got older. Because once they they you know he wasn't a baby anymore. Um, he's the nicest, sweetest child on the planet. Um, I also don't believe he's mine because of it, but um, <laughs> it, it's great. But having a second one that was just as colicky as the first. Um, with our work schedules picking up, in particular, you know, my wife has a spinoff show, and that exploded, Drinking Broettes, and it's like, um, it's tough, man, because uh, now you're dealing with two instead of one. I will say this, well, you know, the, the, the gap of four years in between the two children has helped, um, but, uh, but, you know, look, you have less time and, and all that other stuff, and not that I'm going to bitch about it either. Like, I love both children, and I'm, I'm amped, and uh, – and it's cool that 
you know, he's got a brother and all that stuff. So uh, I'm amped about it, but it's it's definitely less time with one another, and uh, and it puts you know puts a strain on your relationship for a little bit. Yeah, and I hear you with the cop. My, my oldest was the only one that we had that had that colicky stuff. We had to get him that like Neutrama gene in the orange can with the bunny on it. It was like ten dollars a shot. Uh, so, uh, dude, yeah, all that stuff, man. I've you name it, any one of those drinks or juices or tablets like across the board, we've given them. You know, where it's like, hey, take this little tablet of. You know, whatever, whatever those, like, dissolvable things are. And, uh, you know, we tried all of them. None of them really worked. And it was just a thing of, like, once once they hit two, once my, my oldest hit two, he, he was out of it. And hopefully the second one won't be the same. But we're still kind of going through it right now. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper if you get them drinking from the tap. Uh, <laughs> what, what, um, what, you've had so much success here already, Ross. What kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future? You know, the media company is the biggest one right now. Um the the power in you know being able to reach between the four shows that we have now you know we're essentially reaching 11 million people a month 11 12 million people a month um and expanding it and giving people their own voice that i think are talented who fit within our mold um we just signed uh dakota meyer last week medal of honor recipient um you know for his own show and um uh, Derek Wyda, we just signed, uh, who's massively talented, and uh, just giving people a voice, um, where and building a network of people who believe in uh, the same things that you do and find funny um, is important. Because, man, I love comedy movies more than life itself, and that's why I even got into the entertainment industry and became a stand-up and all stuff early on. And uh, once that went away the the comedic films themselves like it was a downer for me so i truly feel if you're going to get the most aggressive comedy you can right now it is through podcasts or maybe danny mcbride's show the righteous gemstones but that's about it these days so that's kind of my main focus and then you know the ultimate dream would be to have my books turned into a series for hbo um the third one comes out this fall and uh uh that would be the end all be all so i think that'll that will eventually happen at some point, um, but uh, we'll see. Um, you know, I could have pissed somebody off politically or or said something along the ways that would prevent that. I don't know anymore. Like, networks and studio execs have gotten so over the top with, you know, tweets in your, you know, from 10 years ago and things like that, that it's like, man, I, I don't, I have no idea what I did or said 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I respect the vision. And you mentioned Dakota Meyer there. I was uh, fortunate enough to have him uh, on the show as well. He's a top-notch uh, guy all the way around. So, Dude, look- one of the most genuine, honest people you will meet. And, uh, man, he is a hell of a talent. And um, his, his, his podcast needs to become bigger. So we just signed on with him to help him with that. And, uh, and he's, he's been a close friend for five, six years now. So um, I know his whole story, and, uh, and he's a great dad. Loves his kids more than life, same as me, and we share the same values. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait to see where that goes for him. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Ross, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Whew, that is a big, big question. Um, the advice that I have is no matter how many people you ask, how many current dads you ask, you will be completely unprepared for it. And um, you will do things and, and have failures with being a father that are unavoidable just because you're a new parent. And no matter who you ask, um, 
you will still be unprepared for the task at hand of being a father. And I will say it is the greatest job in the world and it is the greatest joy you will ever have um, is, is being a father. And, and, um, and it's, it's amazing and it's completely changed my life for the better in every way. Um, but you will be unprepared and there is truly nothing like it on this earth. So you can ask as many questions to all your friends as you want, but you won't know until literally the second that baby pops out and the nurse hands it to you uh, of what it is like to be a father, and you'll never experience anything like it. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Ross Patterson, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Ross Patterson for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it in to First Class Fatherhood next week. I got three bangers coming your way. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to stay up to date with all of the upcoming guest announcements. If you could, hit me with a subscribe on YouTube. First Class Fatherhood is available on my YouTube channel. And also, please consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you enjoy listening to the show. It really goes a long way to help me out here. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.